to succeed and be the, be a good player. Not feeling feeling like I have a glass ceiling over my head to where no matter what I do, they're only gonna let me go so high. And so when I went to New York, I know I wanted to remove that. I know I needed to put myself in a situation to where, you know, I'm gonna be used to my best ability and my efforts aren't gonna be uh, for nothing, so. What makes the journey worth it? The pain, the adversity, the opposition, the challenges, the uncertainty. Why do I have to go through this? What's the lesson in this? I got a paralyzed right arm and hand. The million dollar question I get every single day is you wouldn't change what happened to you, why? Serendipity, join us for insightful dialogues about not just successes, but about failures, opposition, adversities that shape and mold of individuals to who they are today. I'm Inky Johnson. This is Serendipity. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Serendipity with Inky Johnson. Uh, today's guest, you know, he's a friend of mine. Robert is like a brother to me. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a former NFL player. And now he's a coach. I can't wait for you guys to hear his insight, hear his wisdom. And so we're going to get right into it. Robert Ayers, how you doing, my brother? Man, I'm blessed, man. Blessed, man. I can't complain at all. How about yourself, bro? I'm all good. Black Rob, as we would call it. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. uh, Black, you know I'm big on gratitude, man. I know you're busy, so I just want to start it off, man, by saying thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, man, it could be no other way, man. It's a blessing to be on here, man. It's a, a blessing to, to share this platform with you, man. You know, I, I would... I, Anything, anything you ever need from me, you know, I got you. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And so, Black, you know, me and you have had a lot of experiences, obviously college roommates, man, and, and just brothers, a lot of experiences throughout life. And the reason I started this platform is because, like, I think in terms of, like, when I was younger or when people would navigate throughout life, like if a young kid met you right now or met you when you were in the NFL and would see you, he would think where he met you is where you've always been. Right. And they won't think about the journey, the process, the adversity, the opposition, the things you've had to travel and get through in order to become the individual that you are. Right. The moments that you probably didn't think you would make it through. And now you look back on it and you're grateful for it. That's why it's called serendipity. And so, Black, let's think back to when when you were younger. Right. And you first started playing ball. Right. Like at that phase, at that point. Why did you fall in love with the game of football or gravitate to the game of football? Man, it's funny that you that you ask that because for me, I always had that love of the game and I always loved to compete. You know, my father, who was a huge influence in my life, man, I, I like to tell people he molded me into the man that I am. Like, you know, growing up, it, he didn't allow to, to, to accept defeat. So everything that I did, it was always a competition. It was, there was no you know, in between. You either won or you lost. So if I was doing something, he pushed me to win. And he he made me hate losing. And so early on, I knew I wanted to win, but I didn't know how to go about it. I didn't understand the team aspect of things. I just wanted to just have individual success because that's, at the time, what I thought was what my father wanted for me. I thought my father wanted me to be the winner of everything I did. And so when I didn't win, I rebelled. And when I didn't win, I was shut down. And so organized sports and, 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 and being part of a team and seeing a big picture just wasn't something that, you know, I was able to do. 
And so I always knew I wanted to be a winner. I always knew I wanted to compete at anything. And football was just natural, natural to me. You know, my father, we used to watch football games together. We used to go out, you know, play catch. And, you know, my father used to always make me do crazy things. You know, one time he, he woke me up at like 2 o'clock in the morning to go play one-on-one football with my little cousin because <laughs> him and my uncle got into an argument. So they arguing over whose son is better. So my father came in and snatched me out of bed 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we out there in the park in the, in the, the lights on. And we out there. You know, I did one on one. I'm like, I'm like, I just want to go to sleep. He, he like, go deep, go deep. And, and you know, and my uncle kind of toned off. And my father, he didn't like, he didn't just want me to win. He didn't want me to let him score. Like, any little, any little mistake, he, you know, this that he never threatened like, you know, beat me up anything like that. But he always like, you know, this is what you're gonna do. And he would challenge me. And and, and man, I used to be like, let's go. And so. But I always knew I loved it, man. I loved to compete, and and, and 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 football became so natural to me. And I shared that love of the game with my dad, and so that I think that was you know early on I really knew that I had to get it. I, I just yeah. was obsessed with, with winning and competing. Yeah, it's it's funny, man, that you say that. Like a lot of the guys, even that I've talked to up until this point, they speak about you know, the impact of their father in their life. Like I was talking to Eric Berry. First thing he said, like similar to you, my dad, man, he used to push me, he used to hold me accountable. I was talking to Andre Ward in boxing. First thing he said, man, my dad, like when he used to push me and hold me accountable, make me do certain things that I didn't like, right? And I'll never forget, like when he was speaking about it, he talked about doing certain things that he didn't understand at the time, but what it went on to produce. It's like when you're young, right, and a cat might be telling you something to the extent of, all right, hate me now, love me later. And they have you doing certain things, telling you what it's going to produce. And then you get to a certain point, you're like, oh, I see it now. And so me and you first met because we came into UT in the same freshman class, right? You got a scholarship, but you were ranked like, you and Mayo was ranked probably two of the top Linebackers yeah. in the country, probably like one, two, somewhere. Y'all was up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when you got to the University of Tennessee on a scholarship, what was your thought process when you first hit campus? Black? Man, my thought process was, you know, I'm going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and my father, going back to my dad, he drilled that in my head that failure was not an option, that not get the NFL was not an option. Like I believed that there was nothing going to get in my way. And, but what I had to learn and what I didn't know was, yeah, you could have the talent. Yeah. You could have the drive, but there's things you got to do to go about that. Whether it's classes, you know, me, I was like, I'm just here to go to the league. You know, the school was like, you know, what kind of class you going to go to? I was like, I don't care, whatever. I'm going to the league. And, and, and you know, and I, I had that vision and I had that drive. And so that was my mindset. But the thing is, a few of the things I had to learn was I needed to surround myself with, with like-minded people, which I felt I did, you know, because early on I was with cats that wasn't going to class. And, and I didn't really have an understanding of what it took to get to where I wanted to go. So what I did, I was like, okay, who wants it like what I want? Who has the same goals that I have? So I'm like, okay, I see Ink. Is there another? I see Mayo. I see Mom. I see Sinclair. 
and, and I could go on and on about some other cats. But I was like, man, I don't have the, the I don't have the the division. I don't have the knowledge of what I need to do. So I'm gonna link on to these guys. So when you guys moved off campus, where was I at? I'm right there with y'all. I'm like, hey, where y'all going? I'm coming because I knew that if I didn't, I was I was I was straight off. I knew that I needed some. I needed to be around people that wanted what I wanted because if not, then you know I needed to learn traits that you guys had that I didn't. I just knew. I, I just knew how I wanted to get it. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know which direction to go. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna follow these cats. You guys was getting up at five in the morning. I'm like, right, I'm going with them. You guys, you know, going to class. I'm like, okay, I gotta start doing that too. And it became a habit just from being around positive people. So. You know, to answer your question, coming to college, I was like, man, I'm going to the league. Ain't nothing stopping me. That's, you know, that's all I cared about. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew I was going. And, you know, I just had to figure out what it took to get there. And uh, God blessed me with a lot of second chances. God blessed me with tremendous people in my life because uh, I have stumbled a lot. And he's always caught me. And, uh, you know, and, uh, but, yeah, that was my mindset, man. I'm going. I got to get it. <laughs> You know, failure, you know, not making it wasn't an option. So oh, that's how I looked at it. Yeah, but I think more than anything, you had the most important part, which was the desire. You know, a lot of people lack that. Cats talk about the goal, the dream, the outcome, but cats don't have that unquenchable desire to where they get up and they chase it every day. Mm -hmm. But I, I was fortunate enough, Black, because we were all so close. Like you said, it was a lot of cats that we clicked with, but in our group, like me, you, Mayo... Uh, Ramon, Sinclair, like that was our crew. We hung out, we worked out, we kicked it together, right? And I was fortunate enough because all of us were so close that I saw a shift in you toward the latter years of your college career. Like I remember when you would be in the game, you were buck on the coach, like I think it was Kentucky. Like you yeah. were sitting down at the edge of the bench, black, like, nah, uh-uh, I don't know what had happened, but you was bucking <laughs> like, I ain't going there, right? And then I saw the shift to where... When you would be focused, it was like, man, this cat unstoppable. Like, the sky's mm -hmm. the limit. But then mm -hmm. I, I saw the shift, though. I saw when you went from the cat on the bench to being like, nah, man, I ain't going for that, to the cat mm -hmm. that got focused, and it was like, Black was unstoppable. What happened mm -hmm. mentally, Black, within that phase of when you was bucking, you was rebelling, and then you got to a point where you was like, all right, man, I'm locked in, and let's go. Well, I mean, just going back to what you said about I had that desire, I just didn't know. Like, I had the, the 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 passion, I had the desire, but I didn't know how to channel it. I didn't know where to direct it. So at times, it would be, you know, my desire to go out there and play at a high level, my need to go out there and, and dominate my opponent or to beat this other team, it was just driving me and driving me. I didn't know how to channel my energy. I didn't know, you know – if it's the coaches, I didn't know if it's my teammates, but I knew the scoreboard say we down 14. I just want to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. And so it took me a while to really like be like, OK, it's not just going out there and punch, you know, hit beating this person. I have to know my job. I have to be coachable. I have to listen to what this man is trying to teach me. I have to understand the bigger picture within the, the, the 11 guys on defense and not just about Robert is going out there. In, 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 in dominating this player. I had to understand why I fall into the, the, within the scheme. And then, you know, just taking, sitting back and, and, and really understanding that. And, and Coach Brooks, Dan Brooks, who was the D-line coach, you know, he's like a second dad to me. He really took the time to really explain to me, 
and, uh, you know, really get me to understand what it is that I need to be focusing my energy on. Because I had the passion, I had the energy, I had the desire. But, you know, if you got a desire, but you're, 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 you're focusing all your energy into the wrong things, you can really, you know, hurt yourself and hurt the team. And, and once I figured out, okay, what it is I need to do, that's when I could kind of really, you know, dial in and, and lock in onto what was beneficial to myself and to my team and to my brothers. And mm-hmm. and once I figured that out, you know, I was pretty much good. And I still, you know, had to learn throughout time. But I feel like once I figured that out, I think that's when things really clicked for me as far as being a leader. And you know, I ended up being the captain of the team, ended up making academic all SEC, which I still don't know how I did that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, just, it all just kind of slowed down for me and I figured it out and you know like going back to my friends and, and you know people I was surrounding myself with you know that, that's what really changed it to me I just really learned how to direct my passion and my energy instead of just being like a, a bull in the china shop or you know like a little firecracker in a water bottle like I'm just in there just everywhere like this instead of just being precise and directing with my efforts yeah man that, that quote says where your energy goes your focus flows Right. And yeah. you accomplished something black that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to accomplish, like a small percentage on the face of this planet. Like got drafted 2009. Right. First round, 18th pick that dream manifested. Right. The hard work, the commitment, the dedication. Like what went through your mind on that day? Black? what did you feel on that day when that happened? Man, <laughs> and it's and it's gonna sound crazy, man. But my dad, you know, one of the things he always said was, "I told you so." Mm-hmm. Like that was my mindset too. And like he would, you know, when I, when I was getting ready to get drafted, you know, we were emotional, we were crying. Is that another? And it was like, "I told you so." I knew it. You know, to <laughs> my dad, when I was a little 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 one, and one of my youngest pictures that I have to this day, he gave me a football. Mm-hmm. You know, when I came out the womb. You know, my pops gave me a football. He's like, this my this, my son going to be an NFL player. And so for 22 years, he believed that in his heart. You would have had to kill him to to, to tell him otherwise. Mm. And so when I got drafted, it was like, I knew it. I knew I was going. Same thing with my dad. That was the energy. So like, and then when I got drafted, I was like, yeah, it's time to turn up. You're here now. Yeah. But I went through another phase of understanding, you know, the same phase I had to go through in college where I had to learn, mm-hmm. I had to, you know, learn, okay, now I'm a number one draft pick. The expectations are different. You know, now I'm in a new environment. So I had to learn again. But yeah, I remember on draft day, it was like, I mean, I was crying. I was emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I was crying because everybody else was crying. I'm like, <laughs> man, why everybody crying? I might as well cry too. <laughs> and my dad, it was like, man, we knew it. We knew we was doing this yeah. We no, finally no. got it. <laughs> that was just the beginning, man. That was just the beginning. Yeah. It says um, it says every next level of our life demands a new version of us. Like you said, when you got there, great. But now you're tapping into a new level of understanding. And so mm-hmm. I want to I understand something, Black, from your perspective. And so, of course, you went first round to the Denver Broncos, played there. You went back home to New York. You played for the Giants. Of course, you Jersey City. And then you went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then, of course, you know, brief stop at Detroit Lions. So we were to break it up, Black, into different areas and aspects, right? If you go to the Broncos, right, if you go to the Giants, if you go to the Bucks, 
if you go to Detroit. Can you tell me something that you probably feel you learned at each stop, whether it shaped you as a football player, whether it shaped you as a man, whether it was when you were out in the city? Like, what's something that when you think back to all those different stops that you made, and it was it was brief, it was just like four four stops or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think about in terms of when you think back to those? Uh, in in Denver. It was challenging my in, in Denver. You know, when I first got to Denver, I went to Denver thinking that, you know, I was joining a team where everyone was about winning, where everyone's goal was to just win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was the young cat. And, you know, I knew there were people that were haters in the world, but I didn't expect to get to that situation and to have to deal with people not liking me simply because I was drafted high. Or, mm. or people not wanting to take me under their wing just because I'm a threat now. Mm. You know, and not to say that, you know, in, in an arrogant way, but it's a business. Absolutely. You know, and so you draft first round, you know, 18th overall, a pass rusher. You know, well, this other pass rusher, he trying to establish himself too. And so I went into that situation thinking, you know, you know, it's going to be like me. It's going to be like a brotherhood. Like, no way these dudes not, you know, thinking like that. Like, you know, let's just trying to win. And when I got there, it was, you know, you know, it was a, it was doggy dog, man. We had a lot of guys that were trying to find themselves in the league. You know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. guys that were undrafted guys, you know, not really guaranteed a spot on the roster. And, and I'm trying to branch out to figure out, okay, these are my brothers, but it, it wasn't receptive like that. It wasn't, they didn't accept me like that. And so when I got there, move, sorry, move Aries, go. <laughs> so when I got there, it kind of shut me down, like kind of had me like in a little hole, like, mm. like dog, and, and, and you know how I am. And once I seen that it wasn't mm. what I thought it was, I shift to a whole nother, I, just how it's going to be. It's up. Yeah. You know, I know what it is. And it took me a little bit to, to get to that point. And so then my first year, I struggled. You know, I didn't really know where to lean to for advice. You know, Mayo helped me a little bit, you know, give me some advice. I'm probably talk to you. Is that another? And then my second year, I'm talking about I was in, I was in beast mode. And I'm talking about I was getting it. And then I hit my, my, my real first adversity was I came out the gate. Preseason, I had a good preseason. I'm talking about, I think I had like three, three and a half sacks in the preseason. I'm like, yeah. Week one, I had a sack. Week two, I had like nine tackles, a half sack. Week three, broke my foot. Mm. And so then it's like, oh, man. So I'm just trying to get back. I'm trying to get back. And I missed like seven weeks, eight weeks. And when I broke it, I actually tried to play with it. I broke it the week before. I want to say it was like week three. And then I tried to play week four with it up in Baltimore. Mm. Doctors told me, you know, you know, this, that, and another. You know, they didn't tell me how bad it was. And so then I go into Baltimore games. We playing up in Baltimore. You know, we playing against Ray Lewis, Airy, Holy Nada, you know, all them killers, guys that I grew up. I used to wear the bandana like Ray back in the day doing a little. So I'm like, I got to play for this game. I go out there, broke my foot. Mm. about seven, eight weeks or whatever it was. And I finally come back two weeks later, head coach get fired. Mm-hmm. Next year, I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, I'm just going to go back to ground mode. Well, we draft 
who, in my opinion, is the best defensive player I ever I ever played with, Von Miller. Yeah. You know, we we draft Von Miller. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, we're gonna have to see. You know, this is my spot. <laughs> you know, everybody knows they coming to take my spot. Oh, and I seen that dude, I seen that dude play. I'm like, dog. I got to find another position now. <laughs> he was different, ain't he? And what <laughs> animal. Man, he was different. Ain't? I ain't never seen nobody move like that. To this day, I think he was, he's the best defensive player I ever played with. Wow. And you know, Peyton Man is the best offensive player, but Von Miller just different, man. I'm talking about 6'3", 245, run a 4'4", been like Gumby. It's crazy. And so, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that's just kind of the different kind of going through my first year in Denver. You know, it was a lot of different things. And, I, I learned a lot and uh, it helped me become a better man. And then, you know, towards the end, once I got past that, I ended up playing in the Super Bowl and yeah. a lot of different things. But, uh, and then, of course, I lost my dad in Denver too. So it was a lot in Denver that I went through, but mm. it all helped me become a better person and a better man. Do you, do you feel like all the opposition you went through in Denver, Black, that it helped you when you got to New York, to the Giants, because now you're yeah. back? And you're closer to home, you know. I'm sure you got some family up there, Jersey, New York, whatever the case may be. Do you feel like mm-hmm. some of the things that you went through in Denver when you got in position in New York that it helped you a little bit? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things that you know people don't understand about the draft is, you know, you can be a square peg and, and they draft you because you're a talented player, you run fast, jump high, you know, strong, whatever. And they draft you, and they try to fit you into a hole. Mm. And when I got drafted in the Denver, move every sorry. <laughs> uh, when I got drafted in the Denver, you know they had me playing outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. So my first, I'm covering tight ends. I'm like, man, I just want to rush the passer. <laughs> but, but what they did, I, I fast forward back to 2013 when I hit free agency. I knew I didn't want to just go get the most money. Mm. I knew, you know, I wanted to go to situation. That fits me. You know, I turned down a bigger offer for the Cincinnati Bengals that was probably three times as more money. Well, I, I, it was a three-year, $9 million deal. I got offered, I mean, two-year, $9 million deal. I got offered in Cincinnati. I turned that down. I went to the Giants for two-year, uh, what was it, 3.75 or something, like a three mil, or whatever it was. That's because I felt that I needed to go somewhere where I fit. Mm. I didn't want to be that square peg in a round hole just because the money was better. Mm. So I learned that about myself. I knew what I needed to do to be successful. I knew what type of environment I needed to be around. I knew what scheme. I knew what type of coaches. I knew what to expect of myself. I knew. And so when I went to New York, that prepared me for that. That taught me, okay, you know, this is what we need. And then, uh, you know, the rest was history. I went there first year. I wasn't even a starter. I had uh, five and a half sacks my first year. And then uh, my second year, there on my two-year deal, I had nine and a half sacks in 12 games. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it was I was close to breaking the record up in New York for uh, most consecutive games with at least a half sack. I think I had seven seven games with at least a half sack. And I had, not, like I said, nine and a half in 12 years. I thought I, I should have made the Pro Bowl, but I didn't, which was cool. But for me, that really – confirmed to me, you know, okay, I know how to do this. You know, I just got to be in the right situation. So all those things I've been through my first five years in Denver, not being you, not feeling like I'm being put in the best position to succeed and be the, be a good player, not feeling, feeling like I have a glass ceiling over my head to where 
no matter what I do, they're only going to let me go so high. And so when I went to New York, I know I wanted to remove that. I know I needed to put myself in a situation to where, you know, I'm going to be used to my best ability and my efforts aren't going to be uh, for nothing. So that was my mindset. And, you know, and that's what I learned going into New York. And, you know, I ended up turning my career around and ended up playing, you know, four more years after that. And, you uh, it was a blessing, man, but I was able to learn from my Denver struggles. Yeah, man. Like, that's incredible, though, Black. Like, a lot of people look at the Denver stretch, and like you said, all the things you went through, a lot of people won't know that, right? They'll just look at the stretch from the outside looking in, and then you go and you take less money in New York, and you go and you end up balling, and then you get another contract in Tampa yeah. Bay, right? Exactly. <laughs> that. Like you said, you end up playing more time, right? End up doing even more. But that yep. level of faith that you took, the risk you took to go to New York, the sacrifice you took for less money, it ended up paying off and taking you to Tampa. Exactly. What was that experience like? Uh, Tampa was so lovely, man, because, you know, for the first time, you know, in Denver, I kind of had expectations, high draft pick, whatever, whatever. Then when I got to New York, the expectations were a little bit lower, just because, you know, nobody really, you know, knew what I was bringing to the table. But when I went to New to Tampa, that was the first time since being drafted, or really since college, where they were like, look, we expect you to be a leader. Mm. We expect for you to lead the troops. And for me, that was like, yes. You know, I was like, I'm finna really kill you. I was like, y'all give me, you know how I'm like, y'all, y'all, y'all want me? <laughs> so oh, and so I took pride in coming there and, and, you know, fast forward just a little bit. When I left Tampa, mm-hmm. it, it made me emotional and to, it, it kind of verified that I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish coming into Tampa. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to set a tone. I wanted to let everybody know that I'm always about my business. So, you know, when I left, I had guys, you know, messaging me. Not, you know, you were a great player, this, that, and another. I had some success. Mm-hmm. But, you know, guys like, man, you wanted to realize I ever played around. Like, man... Uh-huh. Thanks for, you know, guiding me, you know, through this, these struggles, uh, you know, you know, stuff like that. I was like, man, that that's what it was really worth mm. because, you know, I came in and my first day, I, you know, I was like, look, guys, we don't take no crap from nobody. I don't mm. care who it is. I don't care what the coaches say. This is about us. That was my mindset. And so like my second day, I'm out there scrapping, ain't I'm, I'm out there fighting in practice. Like the first, I say the first two days of practice, I probably got into three fights just because I felt, and I don't know if it was right or wrong, but I was like, look, I'm going to show y'all I'm a dog. If you cross me, we're going to have to fight. You're going to have to whoop me or I'm going to whoop you. And so my first day, I'm out there fighting. Mm. And and, and, and by like the the 10th day, I'm like, man, I'm I'm tired of fighting. (laughs) I'm tired of it, man. You know, but, you know, people... And, and I practiced ridiculously hard. And, like, mm-hmm. you, it was a war in practice for me to make the game easy. And that was the mindset I, that I had. And, you know, and I was a leader. I felt I was a captain. Well, I never was voted captain, but I felt like I was one of the, the team leaders. And and that was confirmed by the response that I got from my teammates. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that was probably, you know, one of the greatest feelings just to know that I had an impact on guys' lives. One of the guys – He's actually playing in the Super Bowl now, Will Ghostin. He's playing mm-hmm. for he's still for Tampa. Uh, me and him connected just because uh, I had lost my dad in 2012, and he lost his dad while he was playing. And so we kind of could really connect it going through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was one of the ones that reached out to me, man. You don't know how much you did for me, man. You really had an impact on me. 
and I love you like a brother, and I really appreciate it. You know, you, you one of the realest cats I ever met just as a person, not even as a player. And that meant a lot to me, you know. So to see him still going on in his career, I think this is about to be year nine for him. He's playing in the Super Bowl. To me, that's like, yeah, you know, I'm man. proud of that, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, going into Tampa was lovely, man. My experience is there. You know, it got cut short because of the, the you know, the business part of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 those two years were, were really fun for me, even though we weren't winning. But from that standpoint, it was fun. You know, Black, like when I think about like the culmination just of life, like I feel as if like it's different pages, different chapters that lead into the next chapter. And so you got young coming up, play ball, go to college. That's a chapter. Get drafted. That's a chapter. Every stop within that, that's a chapter. Then you get to the point you you retire. Right. And you move into obviously the next phase, but you had already been doing it all along. The husband, the father. Right mm-hmm. now, you're taking all these things you learned in sports and cultivated in sports, and you're figuring out it's like a puzzle piece. How can I mm-hmm. apply these things to my daughters? You got two daughters, you know what I'm saying? Your wife, like, how has it been since you've retired from the game and now, like, fatherhood, you know, husband? How has that whole journey been now that you're away from that game and that aspect, even though you're still coaching now, but just being away from it as a player? Uh, it was it was challenging at times, and you know, going through that transition. For one, you know, think going back to when I re- decided to retire, you know, my mindset was okay. My last four years, you know, even though I had tremendous personal success, you know, in New York and in Tampa, my mindset was okay. I got into this thing to win. You know, if I don't have a chance to to and I, my last time winning was in a losing was in a Super Bowl when I left Denver. We played the Super Bowl, we lost, and I went to New York and we never made the playoffs. I went to Tampa, we never made the playoffs. And and my mindset was like, look, it's gonna take some sacrifice from my family. It's gonna take some some time. You know, I'm training in Arizona, you know, four months out the summer, you know, I'm gone from my family. And I just told myself, like, you know, if 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 I'm gonna keep playing. It's going to be the win. And if it's not going to be the opportunity to win, it's not worth sacrificing this time with my family. It's not worth being around for my wife and my kids like this. It's not worth seeing my kids learn how to ride bikes and swim and this, that, and other. So mm-hmm. I took the stance of when I had signed up there with Detroit, you know, as soon as I got that, I immediately was like, nah, mm-hmm. this, I'm going to be miserable here. I'm gonna be this. This ain't gonna work. So I was there for two days. Wow! You know, hold up, was, hold up, Black. I gotta, I gotta capture something. <laughs> what, what did you feel though? Like as a, as a man, like because I know how much you love the game. Like I know mm-hmm. how much you love the play. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I know you love it. Like I love the game that way. And so mm-hmm. for you to feel it and be like, Nah, bro. Like I'm done. Like. Yeah. What did you feel? Like the conviction, everything. What was that? Man, one key moment was I remember my first day, right? We went out to practice, and it's my first day. And the coach, uh, you know, he's just, man, he's making the coaches run gases. He's making players run gases and this, that, and other. And I'm just, you know, while this going on, I'm doing whatever I need to go do. But I'm like, looking at my teammates' eyes. I'm, like, watching their body language. I'm, like, watching how a cat can get beat on something and just be like, and I'm just, like, I'm just looking and I'm, I'm talking to them, asking, you know, how you feel about the team? Is there another? And guys are just like, 
And I'm just like, oh, that's how y'all feel? Like, <laughs> like, 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 you don't, like, you don't think we, we ain't trying to win? Mm. And like, and, and then when I seen that, and then uh, the head coach, you know, he, we had a disagreement on song, and I was like, you know what? Just, I don't know if this gonna work. Because, you know, like I said, I'd rather, I'd rather not play than to be miserable. Because when I'm miserable, it's gonna bring something that I don't wanna, something that I worked hard to bury. You know, a part of me that I worked hard to to put to the side. I didn't want that to come back out because, you know, I didn't want people to make me get out of character. Mm. So I was like, you know what? I need to step back. You know, if this ain't, you know, I'd rather retire than to be in this situation and be not Robert Ayers and, and, and not be comfortable and to be miserable. So, you know, I took that stand. I told my agent, you know, look. You know, if they cut me, I you know it is what it is, and, and we can move on. You know, and in so many words, I didn't ask for a release, but in so many words, I was like, "Get me out of here." Yeah, you know, in so many words, and and then so when we gone through that process, you know, my agent's like, "This that another." You know, you could sign. I had teams offering me. This is before Buffalo got good. Buffalo Bills, like, man, they want to sign you right now. Mm. The Jets, they want to sign you right now. And I'm like, bro, if they ain't got a chance to go to the playoffs, I ain't going. You know, and, and that's just how I felt. And I love the game so much that I can't just do it and just lose. Man. You know, it wasn't worth it to me. If we wasn't going to be competing, I'd rather be with my family. I'd rather be with my kids because my family filled that void. I mean, I don't say a void, but they took the place of the game to a degree. I think at the time, uh, I think my Braylon was, this was 2017, so she was four. Robin was two. And so I had another thing that I love more than football. Mm. And so even though I was willing to, to make sacrifices to play football, I wasn't willing to make those sacrifices to get my head beating on Sundays. I wasn't, it wasn't worth the money for me. So I was like, okay, if I can't play on the winning team and have a chance to compete, I'm done. Mm. And it, and, and, and I had my doubts. I was like, man, maybe I'm tripping. <laughs> I my, maybe I need to tell my agent to call the Jets. You know, Brandy, my wife, she would be like, you know, that's what you're going to do. Don't back down now. Mm. You know, she always, you know, she has this unique way. She's not the rah-rah, you can do it, baby, and this, that, and other. She, she, she doesn't know this, but she, sometimes she just knows how to, like, in the way that my dad did to twist my buttons or to like poke me in a way that gets me to like, mm. you know, like damn right. Like this is, you know, and so <laughs> yeah. she would say little things and I'm like, you know what, you know, I'm not backing down. You know, this is what I believe in my heart. And even though I have doubt, even though I'm missing playing, I, you know, I'm like, I'm making the right decision. And if I couldn't win, then it is what it is. And, uh, you know, yeah. and then when I was fully gone, I struggled with trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I always knew I wanted to coach. Mm -hmm. I always knew. Even my last, like I said, I was I was a leader in Tampa. And, you know, one big thing that, you know, coaches always say, you think you're a coach already, don't you? I'm like, nah, <laughs> I'm just trying to help the young boys because, you know what I'm saying, when I got to the league, I wanted somebody to help me. Mm -hmm. So, I'm like, man, I'm going to help these young cats. You know what I'm saying? And I used to break my back to help them and try to show them how it's done, this, that, and another. Yeah. And so, I knew I wanted to be a coach, but uh, part, the thing I was torn about was um, Brandy, my kids, we had sacrificed so much. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to put her through that again. I was like, man, she's been, you know, following me, this, that, and another. And, and uh, I was just, you know, hesitant. Like, man, 
it's hard being a coach. You know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. And I used to talk to friend. I was like, nah, I ain't going to do that to you. We can figure something else out. But then one day she was like, you want to coach? I, I know what it was. I started coaching soccer. Mm-hmm. My kids soccer. Uh-oh. And she saw, I think she saw the joy in me. He was out there with the kids. I'm talking about, ain't, I'm out there. Like, go, go. I don't really, you know, I play soccer a little bit, but I don't really know much. But I'm just having so much fun just trying to do stuff. And she was like, you want to be the coach, don't you? And I was like, man, what you talking about? And she mm. was like, go ahead. And so when she gave me that green light, so I was nice. like, oh, it go time. It go time. And so ever since then, man, I'm at peace, man. And and I'm loving it. Man. And, and just, you know, everything that I've learned, everything I've been through, you know, this is, you know, really my way like of community service almost in the sense that, you know, I'm giving back all the blessings that I receive. You know, just if a little cat, you know, if he's struggling with something or he got a tough home life or whatever it might be, if I could give him a little words, you know, that's what this is about. You know, it ain't about ego. It ain't about necessarily wins and losses for these kids because I'm trying to help them win that life, not just a football game. I'm trying to help them win that life. I'm trying to help them understand that, you know, when they become adults, you know, how to fight through adversity. So that's what it's really about to me. And, you know, I'm loving it, man. I can't, you know, I'm looking for more opportunities to impact, you know, a bigger field and, you know, but man, I'm loving it, man. But retired life is, it's been a blessing to me, man. That's, that's, that's dope, man. Like, like when I hear you speak about everything you've been through and now getting to a place to where it's like, you see it in the macro, like, bro, that's what it's about. Helping people, you know, sacrificing, trying to get these cats to see adversity different ways. And so black, as I take us out, like the world is going through a pandemic. You know what I'm saying? You got Corona, COVID, you know, it's impacting a lot of people's lives, man, in different ways, different aspects. And so I, I've been asking everybody a similar question. Like if there's a mantra you go by, like if it's something that you do every single day, like if it's a word that you could give to the people right now, just in life as they're navigating, right? What's some words that you could give to everybody right now with the current climate of what we're going through in the world? Uh man, this I think with, with with everything that we that's going on right now, I think we it and it kind of goes back to where we grew up in. You know, growing up where we grew up, everything was about survival. Mm-hmm. Everything is about, you know, I gotta get it. You know, I don't care who head I step on to get to where I'm needing to go. You know, if I'm trying to accomplish this, it's whatever. You know, growing up in the hood, you know, selling drugs and that that was a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a way of trying to, you know, put food on the table. Mm. And so I think with the way things are now, I just want people not to not to go down that path up to where you don't know you no longer care about the next man because things are so tough out here. People are getting, you know, fired from jobs. People, you know, don't have much to to to, to eat and it, 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 you know, be trying to, you know, survive with these stimulus checks. And I just want people not to go down that path of you no longer care about your brother. You no longer care about your sister, regardless of the race. You know, regardless if it's black, white, whatever, you know, still have that sense of, you know, okay, I'm trying to go forward, but I want to bring some people with me. Mm. Because if not, if we just go back to that survival of the fittest, there's a lot of people going to get stepped on. And we see that with the politics, you know, going on. And, and you know, that's my thing. You know, I'm just trying to help as many people as I can, you know. And, and regardless of the race, regardless of where they're from or what they're going through, I'm just trying to, you know, stay humble and, and, and 
and continue to, to, to pick people up around me as people have done for me. Because if not, and it just becomes survival of the fittest, there's going to be a lot of people hurt. There's going to be a lot of people killed. It's going to be a lot of more incidents like, you know, happening up at the Capitol building. There's going to be more stuff going on in, 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 in like in Minnesota. It's just going to be a doggy dog world. So I just encourage people don't go down that path. Whenever you feel like you, you starting to feel selfish or things are getting tough on you, just, you know, strap your boots on and just try to lift up the people around you and just keep trying to go forward. Because if not, the, the alternative is not pretty. Absolutely. Well, good people, you heard it here. Black, we appreciate your time, man. Appreciate your wisdom, your insight. And thanks a lot for sharing it, man. And we out. Thank you, brother. Anytime. Yeah.